This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Basic Concepts on Non-Invasive Ventilation by Dr. Marty Pons. Hi, I'm Dr. Marty Pons, working in, uh, in a PQ in Hospital San Juan de Deu in Barcelona. I'm very pleased to introduce you to the basic concepts on non-invasive ventilation. These uh, slides have been really uh, participated by several people working in the respiratory group of the Spanish uh, PQ Society. So these are my conflicts of interest. Uh, my hospital has received disposable material uh, and devices from these companies. And I have also speaker for McKay, and I have been consultant for some devices of these companies. This uh, Barcelona metropolitan area, and just in the A, you can see my hospital, where, where my, my hospital is. My hospital has 300 beds, it's a children's hospital, and the PQ department has 14 beds, uh, admitting 1,000 patients per, per year. So let's focus on the, on, on the lecture. With this slide, we will introduce to the methodology of uh, using NIV in, in, in your unit. And we recently developed this acronym, ISMAN, to help you to follow the uh, appropriate path. First, we are going to identify the patient and the respiratory failure. As you know, it can be classified as type 1 or type 2 respiratory failure. And according to this classification, we are going to decide if, uh, which kind of interface or which kind of uh, devices are we going to use. But more interestingly, when trying to identify the patients, the main question is our patient has or not an ARDS. You can see here an, uh, a patient in our unit who had a, a right lung pneumonia, needing FiO2 of 0.5 with a venturi mask, and the saturations were, were 90s, and, uh, and the, so the perfect ratio was 160, and if we are looking to non-invasive monitoring, the SF ratio should be around 180. So according to the adults' uh, uh, literature, this patient do not fulfill ARDS criteria because he or she don't have bilateral X-ray infiltrates. According to the new PARDS criteria, so could have an ARDS because has unilateral infiltrates. So it's up to you to follow one or the other definition of ARDS just to classify, classify your patient. This is a very important slide, the C, contraindications, when not to start NIV. We are using a traffic light scheme, so please do not cross the red lines. So when the patient needs airway protection because has coma, has an active digestive bleeding, or especially has hemodynamic instability, so it means a, a important shock, or craniofacial trauma, please do not use NIV. Obviously, in real life, 
Many situations are in the yellow light, so it depends on your unit, your um, training in your, uh, of your team, the availability of good devices or interfaces. You can decide to go for intubation or to do a trial on NIV. So patients with severe respiratory failure, you can do NIV if you are well-trained and with good devices, except if those patients who have an ARDS with a PAFI ratio below 150. Again, if we are managing neuromuscular patients with abundant and dense secretions, if you are able to manage with cough assist or your respiratory therapists are able to manage this situation with a manual um, uh, uh, cough assistance, then you are going to provide a good uh, respiratory care and your NIV will be very useful. Obviously, if you have a patient with an undrained pneumothorax, it can deteriorate using positive pressure. But usually, in our units, it takes no more than two minutes to drain the pneumothorax and continue with the treatment. What about the green light? So we are talking about recent esophagic or gastric surgery. There, is, there are papers published by adults that it can be used with lower levels of pressure, so it can be safely used to prevent atelectasis in obese patients. So really, it's not a real contraindication. So we want you to be very enthusiastic and think that you, sure, you, we, we can, we can do that, but be aware that sometimes, no, you can't. So it can be dangerous and very harmful for, for your patients. Remember that in adults, they have shown that delaying intubation more than 24 hours can increase the mortality. What about the E, equipment? According to the respiratory uh, uh, failure type, type one, in very hypoxemic patients, the age, the size, the material available in your units, you are going to do a lot of decisions in order to provide the better treatment of your patient. So you have a lot of interfaces, as you can see here, a lot of different devices, conventional ventilators with NIV option, uh, specific NIV ventilators, so really, uh, you, you should be very careful and pay attention to the details. Because obviously, you are not going to have the same results with different devices. So it's clear for these helmets, but perhaps not so clear for uh, different interfaces and ventilators, but it is. One of the most common complications of the NIV is the uh, pressure source. You can see here on the left a patient who received, who protect the forehead, but they forgot to protect the nasal bridge. So just after six hours, we get erythema, so, and we got a problem over there. So just uh, train your nurses or your RT to protect with hydrocolloid dressings their, your, the skin of your patients. And if you're able, try to rotate the interfaces every six hours, two hours, according to your protocol, in order to protect the skin. What about the interfaces? You should know that there are several interfaces, in not, not only talking about the, um, the sizes, and the most important is to know if our interfaces are vented or non-vented. What does vented mean? It means that the CO2 removal is going to be in the inside the interface. Those non-vented interfaces, 
then you should pay attention that as you can see at the, uh, uh, at the bottom right that you place an appropriate exhalation port in order to remove uh, safely the CO2 from the patient. If we talk about the ventilators, we could see that they are really two big families. On the, and the, uh, on the left and the middle, we are, we are, you, could, you could see uh, turbine-based ventilators. On the right, you are, you are seeing a gas-compressed ventilator, so a conventional PQ ventilator that nowadays offers NAB option. Now, in this slide, we're going to re review the mode. The mode will be selected according to the respiratory failure, the patient sickness, and uh, we will decide the settings. Uh, and we are proposing you two separate and different algorithms. One from patients older than three months, another one from patients younger than three months, that are the most challenging ones. First of all, I, I would like to confirm that we are at the same page about the vocabulary. Here on the left, you can see a conventional ventilator. The settings, we are using the name for the maximum pressure is uh, PIP, PIP, so, and the gradient that we are setting is pressure support, and the expiratory pressure we are calling PIP. On the right side, we can see the terminology used from in turbine-based ventilators. We can see that PAP stands for IPAP and PIP stands for EPAP. So, and the gradient has the same name, pressure support. Be aware that on the right side, in these turbine-based ventilators, usually the IPAP is not over the EPAP like it happens in, on the left ventilators. This is the algorithm for older patients, older than three months. So you can see that most of these patients, if they are hypoxemic, we are going to recommend to use oronasal or total face mask. Only for those patients less hypoxemic, we are going to, um, we are able to use alternative uh, uh, interfaces like nasal interfaces, nasal prongs, etc. You can you can use both. Uh, specific NIV ventilators or conventional ventilators with NIV options. There are, there are no data showing advantages uh, from one ventilator to the other ventilators in older patients. And these should be the initial settings that we recommend. On the left, in the blue um, square, you can see that you can start with a CPAP with a range, uh, with a value range of four to 10 in patients with bronchiolitis, with amnia, and with mild uh, uh, type 1 respiratory failure. Those who are failing on CPAP, we can start or move to the right to using bilevel pressure. The name used in NAB-specific ventilators for this pressure support is called ST. This ST mode means spontaneous time mode. On the right, you can see that the name for conventional ventilators is pressure support. And these are the different settings. The main idea on this slide is that we are just setting very comfortable settings for, for our patients. So we are starting with a IPAP of eight and EPAP of four. So it means a pressure support of four over four of PEEP. 
and with a ramp, a smooth ramp of 0.2 seconds. So we are trying to give the patient a very mild pressure gradient, so to make sure that he or she is very comfortable at the beginning. Later on, you will try to confirm that this treatment is effective and you are going to escalate and increase the IPUB or, and the EPUB according to improve the, and reduce the work of breathing of your, of your patient. What could be the target values? We don't have enough data based on randomized controlled trials. Just we have a very important and very large uh, pediatric core studies, and we have seen that the average values of tidal volume are around 6 to 11 mLs per kilo. It means that when you are using nasal interfaces, the range, the normal and the average range is around 6 mLs per kilo, and when you are using uh, total phase interface, then you should expect tidal volumes around 11 mLs per kilo. We are also expecting our patients in a few hours to decrease the respiratory rate and the heart rate and to improve all the values if we are monitoring with SF ratio or PAFI ratio. Top, uh, sorry, uh, uh, at the bottom on the right, you can see the usual values that we are using in our units. So it is not set in stone, so we are just providing which are currently the limits in order to protect the lungs of our patients. So we are using IPAP range from 10 to 18, EPAP range from 5 to 8, and the RAM usually is between 0.05 to 0.1 seconds. Talking about pressure support mode, that is a currently mode used in uh, conventional ventilators, you can see here the flow time curve. You can see the orange slope that is the normal situation without leaks and with the appropriate settings that are an expiratory trigger of 30%, you are going to get uh, the air inside the lungs and you can see here in the uh, um, orange uh, squares. But usually when using non-invasive ventilation, you don't have uh, the appropriate mask or we are not fitting uh, them uh, acutely to the patient's face and we are facing leaks. So, so you are, if you look at the uh, flow time curve of blue color, then it means that you are going to experience a lengthening on the inspiratory time. At the bottom, you can see that the pressure time curve is modified and at the end, there is a small increase of pressure that means that your patient is fighting against the ventilator. So you are experiencing expiratory asynchrony. And obviously, your patient is getting lower tidal volumes. What can you do to improve this situation? You can modify the settings you can increase your expiratory trigger up to 60%, and then, as you can see in the green lines, you are going to shorten the inspiratory time and to adapt to the patient's needs. But 
Unfortunately, you are going to uh, give less uh, tidal volume to your patients because of the, of the curve, as you can see at the bottom, that the pressure line curve is, is different. So you are delivering less tidal volume, but you are avoiding the expiratory asynchrony that could be very annoying for the, for the patient. So in this slide, we can see what is going to happen if our, our nurses or respiratory therapists decide to change the interface or to fit it better. So the blue curve is going to disappear. We are going again to have this uh, uh, normal flow time curve in orange. So really we are having a shorter inspiratory time. So, and unfortunately our patient Will, uh, will have a shortness of breath and really will have uh, uh, less tidal volume. Let's move to the next slide and to the next algorithm. We are talking about the most challenging patients, infants younger than three months. All of them, uh, really we can start just with a CPAP because most of them have, are facing a, a diagnosis with bronchiolitis, uh, with uh, mild, mild pneumonia, and CPAP can work for them. And we can select a lot of interfaces. We have no data about advantages uh, of one interface over another interface. Obviously, if you are using an, a specific NIV ventilator, we are going to use the ST mode. And if we are using a, a conventional ventilator, the name should be pressure support mode. If we are observing asynchrony, we should pay attention again to the leaks, and you should reduce the leaks as much as possible. In this slide, we are uh, going to um, show you an algorithm for the more challenging patients uh, we have, infants younger than three months. Most of them are admitted to our PQs with uh, bronchiolitis and mild respiratory distress, and CPAP is the best option we can provide if other options like high-flow nasal cannula have failed or are not available. But if this fails or is this not enough, we are going to provide bilevel pressure. As you know, as we previously said, we are going to use a spontaneous time in a specific NIV ventilator or pressure support in a conventional ventilator. And Asynchrony is a major problem in these situations. So again, go back to the patient uh, side and look at the leaks and reduce the leaks as much as possible. If you're using uh, a specific NIV ventilators and is available, increase the sensitivity of your inspiratory trigger. And sometimes you can remove the active humidification that interferes with the triggering of the ventilator. But just for a while, just after three, four hours, the patient has recovered, you, sh you should come back with the active humidification. On the other side, you know that pressure support can be managed adjusting the expiratory trigger, going up from 30 to 60, 70%, and also some ventilators provide you another additional button to limit the maximum inspiratory time. When all these things are failing, we strongly recommend to use controlled modes. 
So it means time mode in specific ventilators or assisted control mode uh, in conventional ventilators. This should be the recommended settings. A respiratory rate five below the patient's needs and inspiratory time similar to the patient. So we are talking about 0.3 to 0.5 seconds. Nowadays, if all this fails, we also we have a rescue treatment. And if, you, if your ventilator has available a neural trigger, we, we strongly recommend to go for this uh, new mode that can provide an excellent uh, synchrony with the electrical activity of the diaphragm. Let's uh, make an example about a control pressure. You can see here the screen of a ventilator of a patient that is in pressure control receiving 35 breaths per minute with a 0.45 seconds of inspiratory time. As you can see, the patient is not able to activate the inspiratory trigger, is receiving all the time control breaths, and he, we can check in the, in the volume uh, time curve that all, that all these breaths really are delivering an appropriate tidal volume to our patient. So at this time, what, what is really happening? Is the patient who is going to, who is synchronizing to the ventilator because the technology is not good enough to provide uh, this care to the patient. Okay, let's go on with the A, analysis of failure and monitoring. It's pretty important to monitor uh, our patients in order to discover very soon who are these patients that are not responding to the treatment. So we should monitor the leakage, the synchrony of our patients, and we should pay attention to all those published predictive factors of NIV failure. Obviously, it's, need, it's needed a, a training about the management of asynchrony, hypoxemia, and hypercamia in, the, in these patients. Let's do a time out for those who are not familiar with non-invasive monitoring. We have been talking about the SF ratio. So this, uh, uh, this surrogate of the PAFI ratio can be used to monitor non-invasively our patients. But remember, this is only going to work in this narrow area that is in the orange circle. This range between 88 to 97 uh, uh, percent of, of saturations. Obviously, if you are over 90, uh, 98 percent, your PO2 could be as high as 200 or 300. So then there is no correlation between the PAFI ratio and the SF ratio. In this algorithm, we try to identify those patients who are very sick and who are facing an ARDS syndrome. It's easy to follow because we are really identifying patients with a, a, a PAFI ratio below 300 using the SF ratio. Those patients are on CPAP following the Berlin criteria. And those who the SF ratio is over 235, really we can continue doing NIV in a safe way because those patients 
do not have an ARDS or at least have a mild ARDS. Obviously, they should be reevaluated. And the, if the SF ratio is below 200, uh, they do not decrease the heart rate of the respiratory rate, we should consider intubation. On the left arm, we can see that we should uh, uh, have a chest X-ray because those patients who have unilateral infiltrates, uh, usually according to the adult's uh, criteria, they are not having ARDS. But those who have bilateral infiltrates, if they have heart failure also, they are not having an ARDS. So we should focus on the left side in the yellow part that is ARDS moderate severe. In these patients, the SF ratio below 150 should be, uh, with these patients, you should be very cautious and we strongly recommend to intubate them and go for long protective strategy. Those patients having SF ratio range between 150 and 180 should receive bilevel pressure with an EPAP value over uh, eight centimeters of water. And we strongly recommend to use a short NIV trial of one to two hours. After these two hours, if the patient has a SF ratio below 200 or we cannot observe a decrease of the respiratory rate or the, and the heart rate, please consider the intubation of these very severe patients because, because we do not want to increase the mortality in this group of sick patients. Obviously, our first step looking at the patient is uh, monitoring if the patient is comfortable, is doing well, and, uh, and it's, uh, the interface is fitting, and, and we are reducing the leaks. And we can check in the screen of the ventilator the curves uh, showing or not these leaks. Obviously, the ventilator is going to provide many parameters, the tidal volume, the leak volume, the synchrony. So we can use all this um, uh, information to control what's going on with our patient. And we are going to adjust progressively the ventilator in the following minutes uh, to uh, try to reduce the respiratory workload. Obviously, the clinical parameters are, are key, are fundamental. So the respiratory rate and the heart rate has been observed uh, as, and, and has been published as a, a relevant and predictive factors of, of failure. Uh, then oxygen needs is also important criteria to see what's going on with your patients. And remember, again, the SF ratio, remember that you can use the transcutaneous CO2 and Last but not least, obviously you can use the blood gases. Which are the next and final steps? So we, you should remember that many patients know you can't continue on NIV, so you should uh, plan what is the, the point to do the escalation and go to the next step that is intubation and mechanical ventilation. So here in this slide, you can see that several predictive factors has, has been shown in this paper published intensive care. So with the SF ratio at one hour, at six hours, the respiratory rate, the age, 
and the measurement of the sickness of the patient with the PRISM scale. So these are the variables you should look at to select those patients that are not responders. Hypoxemic patients, those with low SF ratio below 200 at one to six hours, especially those who, uh, who have ARDS diagnosis, younger infants, younger than six months, and those patients without improvement of work or breathing, no respiratory heart decrease at two hours, or needing more pressures at two hours. It could be the IPAP or the median airway pressure. And last but not least, think about that those patients that are acidotic with lower pH that are, are at high risk, and also those patients who have severe uh, organ failure or, and have also higher PRINCE or PILOT uh, values. To wrap up this uh, session, these are my take-home messages. If you are keen to start doing NIV, please select your patients, but sure, be sure that you're excluding all the contraindications. Start earlier. Select the best device or interface available. Pay attention to the synchrony. If possible, monitor non-invasively your patients and stop early if it doesn't work. Remember that the word interventions can be is used for many patients in our units. And I am very thankful for having this opportunity to share my learning curve with all of you. Thank you very much. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.